Welcome to our uh, Good Friday service uh, when we want to just remember, take time aside and remember uh, the sacrifice of our Savior Jesus Christ uh, on this day. And uh, specifically, I, I want to just kind of focus our attention after watching that video uh, that was just tremendous from the perspective inside the tomb of the events uh, of, of that Good Friday. Uh, I, I want to focus our, our attention uh, over this brief next few moments on, on Jesus, our Passover lamb. Jesus, our Passover lamb. What, what does that even mean, Jesus, our Passover lamb? You know, this time of the year, they always, uh, on television, they show uh, the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. It's one of my favorite movies, epic. And so you can kind of, they're showing it on Easter uh, Sunday night, uh, just a couple days, and you can bet it's going to be on at the Williamson home. And, um, and, and maybe that, for, for you as a, as a Christian, maybe that's the most that you ever have seen or know about what the Passover is all about. Or, or, or maybe you actually have some friends that are Jewish and um, they've told you a little bit or, or, or maybe you've actually experienced. Some uh, Christians have actually, uh, I, I know many people that have actually celebrated the Passover Seder because it's so rich with meaning and depth. And, and really everything in the Old Testament and the Passover we're going to look at here points to the coming of Jesus Christ. It's the shadow, and the New Testament with Christ coming is the substance. And so I want to spend the time uh, together tonight just connecting the dots. Jesus is our Passover lamb, and, and the actual celebration of the Passover uh, generations and generations before Christ was ever born and, and died on the cross, uh, it all pointed to him, ultimately. And so First question is, what is the Passover? What, what, what's it all about? What is the Passover? And, and we're going to kind of jump Old Testament to New Testament, Old Testament to New Testament, and connect the dots. Primarily, we'll be in Exodus chapter 12 uh, when we jump into the Old Testament. That's where the instructions are about the Passover that God gave to Moses uh, to pass on to the, to the uh, Hebrew people, the, the children of Israel. And so in Exodus chapter 12 is the answer to this. Exodus 12, beginning in verse 26, it says, And when your children ask you, what does the ceremony mean to you? That ceremony is the Passover. Uh, what are you going to say? How are you going to answer it? It goes on and says, Then tell them it is the Passover. God's given instruction about what this is supposed to be about. It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the house of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshiped. So the Passover uh, took place in Egypt initially, the first time ever. It was the last of the plagues that God visited on Egypt, on Pharaoh, in order for him to let the children of Israel go out of bondage and slavery. And the death angel came, God sent a death angel, and he gave specific instructions to the Jewish people that if they would follow this ceremony and actually sacrifice a lamb or a goat and apply the blood to the door of their home, the death angel would pass over their house and not kill the firstborn of that household. And, and so that's where the Passover came from. And like I said, if you've watched the Ten Commandments, they do really a, a, a pretty excellent job with it. And, and so this is the instruction from Scripture that God gives the explanation of what the Passover uh, was really all about remembering when the Lord passed over the house of the Israelites in Egypt and spared their homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And that was the firstborn in every single household uh, that the death angel killed. 
And, and then in the New Testament, uh, it comes along in the Jesus Christ on the night that he was betrayed. In Luke chapter 22, we're jumping into the New Testament now. Uh, look at what Jesus says here. In Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 15, it, said, it says, And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover. So Jesus actually ate the Passover meal. And the reason why, he fills it full of even greater meaning because he's the fulfillment of it, as we're going to see. He says, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And then it goes on and it says, After taking the cup, he gave thanks and he said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. It's interesting, in the Passover, there's actually four different cups. And this is the fourth cup. This is the last cup. And each one of the cups had significance in the ceremony. Significance in the promises that God made with each one of those cups. Symbolized with each one of those cups. That's what our series is going to be about that we start this weekend after uh, Easter. Our four cup series. We're going to look at this Passover meal again and each one of these cups. Jesus takes this last cup the fourth cup, and fills it full of either, even greater uh, significance. And then he says in verse 19, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so he, he, he really makes uh, what is just common in that Passover meal, he makes it into a greater fulfillment and greater meaning uh, when the breaking the bread. Then it goes on and says, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. He goes on and he says, actually that, that's where we're gonna stop right there is in verse 20. And, and so uh, he takes the bread and he fills it full of greater meaning. He goes, this is about my sacrifice. He takes the cup and he fills it through greater meaning and he says, this is about my sacrifice. He's, he's in essence fulfilling what the Passover is all about. And, and so that's what I want to just focus our attention on in our time together tonight. We're about to share in communion and that's really taken right out of the Passover. It's actually kind of like a, a little edit job. It's, it's actually a little, just an, a clip that's taken out of the whole Passover ceremony is what we call communion. It's the last cup and it's the bread. And, and so I want to point out and, and just connect the dots tonight that, that Jesus is our Passover lamb. He's the fulfillment. All those lambs that have been slain for generations, Jesus is the fulfillment of every single one pointing to his sacrifice. You may remember when Jesus started his earthly ministry in the Gospel of John, right at the beginning, John chapter 1, John the Baptist, his cousin, is baptizing people in the Jordan River, and Jesus comes to be baptized, and John the Baptist sees him afar off. And this is what it says, John 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, watch this now, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. John the Baptist was a prophet. And, and he's actually connecting the dots for us. All of those lambs that have been sacrificed for generations and generations, all the way back to Egypt, 
all the way back to the book of Exodus, they all pointed to the fulfillment of Jesus the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So there's three things that, that I think it's important for us to know about the Lamb of God. Three things about the Passover Lamb that it's important for us to know. We see it in the Old Testament as a preview, as a shadow pointing to Jesus, and then we see it fulfilled in Jesus' life and his sacrifice on the cross for your sins and my sins. The first thing is this, the Lamb had to be perfect. The Lamb was perfect. In the Old Testament, they had to find a perfect Lamb to sacrifice for the Passover. Again, Exodus chapter 12, verse 5, it says, The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. They couldn't have any, any blemish, that they couldn't be deformed in any way. They must be without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or from the goats. And, and so the first thing is the lamb had to be perfect. Well, jump back into the New Testament in 1 Peter chapter 1, and the Bible tells us, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom was paid not by mere gold or silver. How did God pay the ransom? It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, watch this now, had it highlighted for you, spotless lamb of God. All the New Testament writers pointed to the fact Jesus is the fulfillment of that Passover meal. That's just a shadow. That's just a preview. That's just a little, a little sample of the ultimate reality. It's not the Passover. It's the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, take away your sins, and take away my sins. So, so the first thing is the Lamb had to be perfect. The second thing we need to understand about the Passover lamb and Jesus as our Passover lamb, the lamb was sacrificed, had to be sacrificed. Jesus had to lay down his life or he wouldn't have been the Passover lamb and we'd still be stuck having to pay our own, pay the price for our own sins instead of the fact that he substituted himself and he paid the price. Back in the Old Testament, here we go. Exodus chapter 12, again, verse 6, and it says, speaking of the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb, take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight at the same time. At the same time. Now, in just a minute, when we're done, we're going to celebrate communion together. We're going to take the, the bread, we're going to take the cup, and we're not going to take it as we get it, we're going to wait and we're going to do it together because that's the way. We're one body. We're the body of Christ at the same time rooted in the Passover that everyone did it, the whole community of Israel slaughtered them at twilight together, simultaneously, at the same time. They had to be sacrificed. The lamb had to be sacrificed. In the Old Testament also, there's a beautiful passage of Scripture. I love it. It's great to read at this time of year, uh, tonight especially, on, on Good Friday. It's Isaiah chapter 53, and Isaiah was a prophet of God uh, about 500, scholars say 500, maybe 700 years before Christ ever was born. And God spoke to him and through him, to, again, prophesying 
what the Messiah would go through, the suffering Messiah, the suffering servant of God. And, and listen to what it says here, prophesy, and, and doesn't this just describe, it almost sounds like Isaiah was standing there writing, looking at the cross of Jesus. But God was giving him that insight hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' sacrifice. Isaiah 53, 5, it says, he was pierced for our transgressions, mine and yours. He was crushed for our iniquities. All of these are different names of sin. Transgression, iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. He took my punishment. He took your punishment. And by his wounds, we're healed. The lamb, the Passover lamb, had to be perfect. The Passover lamb also had to be sacrificed. He was born to die. Here's the third thing that we need to understand about Jesus Christ. Your Passover lamb, my Passover lamb as well. Had to be perfect. Had to be sacrificed. And the third thing, the lamb had to be shared. The lamb was shared. The lamb was shared. Exodus chapter 12, verse 4 Back in the Old Testament, the instruction was in sharing the lamb. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor. They must share. The Passover lamb was meant to be shared. The good news of what God has done through sending his son Jesus Christ to die in my place, in your place, to pay the price for our sins, that good news must be shared. It's not meant for just, just keeping personal, as in, you know, my own private little faith. That's not what the Bible teaches us. It must be shared. Just like the lamb, literal lambs, and goats, in the Old Testament for the Passover, had to be shared with who? Their neighbors, those closest to them. You had to share it with your neighbors. The same is true for you and me. Now, last Sunday we finished our our message series called Future Family, and, and we talked about fighting the losing battle. And, and we looked at, in great detail, really the whole time together, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to go right back there for just a minute. And I'm not going to re-preach that message. That's, that's online. You can check that out. But, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, again, I think it's important for us to remember this. In the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19 it says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, that's Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, believers in Christ, the message of reconciliation. We've got a job to do. We can't, we can't keep the Passover lamb to ourselves. We need to share the Passover lamb just like they were instructed to in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 12. So the lamb had to be perfect. And Jesus was perfect without sin. The lamb had to be sacrificed just as Jesus was on the cross. The lamb also had to be shared. And, and that's, that's our responsibility. That's what God has entrusted into our care, this message of reconciliation. And, and so tonight, 
on this Good Friday, I'd, I'd like for us to just consider the fact that we have a tremendous opportunity right now. We have a tremendous opportunity not only to, on this Good Friday, remember what Jesus Christ has done and the sacrifice that he made for us, but we also have a tremendous opportunity because people's hearts are more open to this invitation to share the good news of what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, than, than probably any other time of the year. And, and so there's three things about this opportunity I think it's important for us to really kind of consider and take in. The first thing is, how do we maximize this opportunity? How do we make the most of this opportunity during this time of the year, Good Friday, on into Easter? First of all, we need to pray. We need to pray. If we're gonna share the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb, Jesus with someone else, we need to pray about it. We need to pray, and here's the reason why. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 tells us, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Now, now, who is this, the God of this age? This is one way that he's referred to. We have an adversary. We have an enemy. He, he's not co-equal with God. He doesn't have as much power. The Bible calls him the uh, deceiver, uh, Satan, devil. There is an ultimate monolithic uh, persona of evil in creation. In this passage, it's called the God of this age. And what has he done? He doesn't want people to know what God has done for them through sending his son, Jesus Christ. And so it says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. That's, what is the gospel? It's the good news of what God's done through sending his son, Jesus Christ, for you and me. That, that displays, so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. And, and so we need to pray, God, before I invite my friend, before I talk to my friend, before I share the good news with my friend, I just pray you to open their, open their ears, open their heart, that they would be able to hear. And that those blinders that we see right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, those blinders would just fall off. And that they would receive what it is that they're going to hear, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing to maximize this opportunity, we need to pray. The second thing that we need to do is, is then invite. We need to extend an invitation. As I said, more people are open to, to this invitation this time of year than any other time of the year. And, and look at what Romans chapter 10 says. I love this in verses 13 through 14. It says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a great promise. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But, but, you know, sometimes we, we take some things for granted, don't we? As, as simple as this passage is, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We take a few things for granted, don't we? And, and the next part of these verses talk about what we kind of take for granted. Look at what it goes on to say. But who can they call on, uh, but, who can, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Now the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit speaking through him, God himself and inspiring what he's writing, scripture, and, and he begins to ask some rhetorical questions. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? Watch this now. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? 
And that's our role. We need to pray, and then we need to invite. And I know sometimes, you know, we get a little nervous, like, man, I don't, I don't have a degree in biblical studies or theology or something like that. I don't know what to say. Here, let's make it easy for you. Just invite them to come to church. Just invite them to come on Easter. Hey, you know what? I, I love Valley Christian Church. We want to come with me. It's just, it's Easter, you know? Come on. I got a ticket here for you. It's free. Come on. And, and, and so I, I understand that. That's part of how I want to help you as your pastor, is that I know God's given me gifts and ability to communicate this, and I do have those decrees, and, and it's been a large part of my life in, in, in studying God's word and continue to. And, and so you invite them, and, and I'll tell them. How, how can they hear unless someone tells them? I'm happy to tell them. And, and so this is part of our role, to share the Lamb of God, the Passover Lamb, not to keep it to ourselves, but to share it. And so, how are they going to hear about him unless someone tells them, I, I volunteer, I'm happy to do that. You, you invite them, I'll tell them. That's what we're going to talk about on Easter Sunday together. So we need to pray. It's a great opportunity God's given to us. We, we, we need to invite. And, and then the third thing, I think I'd be really missing a major point if we didn't look at this third thing. We need to participate. We need to participate ourselves. We, we need to be involved with the worship of the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, just like John the Baptist said. In fact, Exodus chapter 12, second book of the Bible, is where we start to hear about, and God gives instruction and all about, tells about the Passover. And we find the, the Passover all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament, this whole idea of the Lamb of God, he's the Lamb of God, Jesus is the fulfillment, all the Old Testament pointing to him, all throughout the New Testament. Now in the book of Revelation, look at what Revelation chapter 5, verse 12 tells us. Same idea we find, connecting the dots, Jesus was the fulfillment. We're talking about participating now in the worship of Jesus. Revelation chapter 5, verse 12, in a loud voice, they were saying, this is a picture that God gives the apostle John of what's going on in heaven right now, even as we speak on this Good Friday. Heavenly worship, look at what it says. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is, watch this now, the lamb who was slain. You know that's a unique feature of Christianity over any other world religion, I guess you'd call it. Christianity is not a religion. It's a faith, it's a relationship with God. It's a unique feature. God the God of Christianity has scars because he sacrificed himself for his creation because he loves them so much. You don't have to earn it. Wow. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. This is the worship that's going on continuously in heaven. And we can participate in that. That's why it's so important that we gather together. We worship and we sing and we pray and we hear God's word. And then with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we walk out what it is that we've learned. And he empowers us to do that. And so on Sunday, I want to pick up in the book of Revelation again. And I just want to, to uh, kind of, not in the exact same spot, but work our way backwards a little bit. 
in, in studying our time together in Revelation. But right now, I just want to stop right there. On Sunday, we're going to talk about unlocking Easter. And, and so now we just want to celebrate communion and remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for your sins and for my sins.